Let us pray. Oh, holy God, we come before you now declaring the truth that there is no one else for us but you. That's why we're here, Lord. May you just take this time and just speak to us because it's only you who can make a difference. It's only you we need, only you we trust. So Lord, may you speak to us now and may every word that is spoken only come from you. It's in your son's name. We gather, we pray this prayer. Amen. Last week, we started our Lenten series, and this year, we're doing something a little different. And this Lent, we're going through Old Testament passages. And the Old Testament is kind of a hot mess. Does anyone else agree with that? I remember, <laughs> yeah, we had this conversation. Uh, a friend of mine, when he um, was mentoring a young woman who, she was an atheist. She didn't grow up in the church. Her family wasn't in church. And she finally just said, okay, I'll, I'll read through the, the Bible front to back and just to figure out why it is that y'all believe this stuff. And He got a text message one night from her, and I forget where she was in the Old Testament, and she said, okay, when does this Jesus guy show up because everyone is a hot mess? (laughs) And she got it. The Old Testament isn't a fun place to be a lot of the time. It's really messy. But it's important for us to visit these passages the eyes of Christ, for us to look at it as people who know the truth of the cross and the empty tomb and see what truth there is for us. Last week, we encountered King David after the prophet Nathan was sent to him to call him out after he had completely failed by sleeping with a married woman and then murdering her husband to cover up his mistake. But the thing is that when we finally name our sins before God, we remove the shame that can sometimes try to hold us down. And when we name our sins, we invite God into those spaces to help heal us. And this week, we're still with David, but we're actually backing up to 1 Samuel 17 to the story that David is probably best known for, David and Goliath. Everyone knows the story. Even people who have never been in church at least know the language of this story. They know the language of Goliath. It's a story we all love, the story of the underdog. And today we're going to break up this this reading, this chapter, into two different sections of text. And the first chunk of text that we're going to look at is verses 4 through 11. And David is absent in these verses. But it's important for us to set the stage. 
So picking up in verse 4 of 1 Samuel 17, it says, And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Goth, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. The weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. He had greaves of bronze on his legs and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron, and his shield-bearer went before him. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, Today I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Goliath was a Philistine. Philistines were known for wreaking havoc. No one wanted to face the Philistines. And here they were, the Israelites and the Philistines, facing off, both of them in their camps. Until Goliath comes out the strongest, the biggest, the best warrior, and he is covered in armor. And he tells Israel, send out someone to face me. Winner takes all. But the sheer sight of Goliath causes all of Israel, even the best warriors, even King Saul himself, who is known for his for all the the battles that he's won. All of them are shaking in fear, none of them wanting to face him. Goliath, for 40 days, goes out and makes the same call for someone to face him. And he begins to taunt them. He loves the fact that no one wants to face him. He begins to taunt the fact that Israel, these are the armies of the living God. And none of you want to face me. And then one day, David, a shepherd boy, is sent by his father to take some food to his older brothers who are in the armies. And David hears Goliath. And he hears this giant taunting God. And he hears him taunting God's armies. David sees him. But picking up in verse 26 and going to verse 32... Says, David said to the men who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? 
The people answered him in the same way. So shall it be done for the man who kills him? And what they're talking about there is the reward that the king has put forth for anyone who can beat Goliath. David's eldest brother, Eliab, heard him talking to the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. He said, why have you come down? With whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down just to see the battle. David said, what have I done now? It was only a question. He turned away from him toward another and spoke in the same way. And the people answered him again as before. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul. And he sent for him. David said to Saul, let no one's heart fail because of him being Goliath. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. David was a shepherd boy. He's called a boy twice in the chapter, once by his own king and once by Goliath. David had no experience. The most experience he had was that, yes, as a shepherd, he was trained to protect his sheep from certain animals, but but Goliath was a trained warrior. Who was David to face him? And yet David was the only one willing to. Because David couldn't stand the fact that this man would dare taunt God and his people. David was like, come on, people. Seriously? He shows up. He sees Goliath. And this shepherd boy from the field says, I'll fight him. And we, we see it in verse 46 where David says, this is the Lord's battle. And he talks about how when he wins, it will be because of God. But King Saul, I mean, he, he, David is brought before King Saul and King Saul sees this boy the only one willing to face Goliath. And and so Saul puts his armor on David, and David can't move. David removes the armor. David refuses a sword. He even refuses a shield. And all he takes with him is a slingshot and five smooth stones to face the Philistine's best warrior. And Goliath loves this. I mean, Goliath thinks it's funny. Who is this kid coming out to face me? Who is this kid to be the champion of Israel? No one else, no one else will come. And yet we know the end of the story. How with one stone, David brings down Goliath. And then the Israelites run off the Philistines, victorious. No one expected David to win. He was a boy. He wasn't trained. 
Yet David couldn't just stand by and let Goliath get away with what he was saying. Often when we hear this passage, when we think about it, we hear the challenge to be David, right? We hear the challenge to face the giants, to battle them, and to take them down. But a few months back when, when Andy and I were looking at this scripture passage for Lent, and we asked ourselves, who are we in this story? Neither of us said David. We're the scared Israelites. We're the people who even if we're trained, or even if we've won prior battles, we see this giant. We hear him even taunting us and even taunting our God, and we are in fear. Because sometimes when we face giants, it's easy to feel overcome. It's easy for us to just want to pretend like they don't exist or to just give in and admit defeat. We're the Israelites, scared in the camp in need of a champion, in need of a savior. The years would pass after David and Goliath as the Israelites continued to wonder, what is God going to do to save us? And then Jesus comes, and just like David, he's unexpected. He wasn't this mighty warrior that some of the Israelites expected to overthrow Rome. He was kind. He was a teacher. He was a carpenter and a fisherman. He made time for people that other religious leaders wouldn't even acknowledge as a person, let alone actually spend time with or talk to or help. Jesus wasn't expected. He wasn't even necessarily the savior that some wanted. But he came and just as when David went off to face Goliath and no one expected him to win, when Jesus was arrested and taken to the cross, his disciples let defeat own them as they went and hid in fear with the question, would they be next? Would they have to follow their teacher to the cross? but we live as a people who know the end of the story. That Jesus was an unexpected savior. A savior who has already come, who has gone before us. That we don't have to be David. 
because we don't have to go out and face any giant who comes up in our lives alone. That we may be afraid, we may be cowering in fear like the Israelites. But Jesus came so that we may have life, so that fear cannot be our story. He came to save us from fear so that we may truly live, so that we may see giants and not be paralyzed. But when we see the giants, we can see Jesus in front of us. Gone out to fight our battles. We already have a savior. So the question is, in our lives, what are the giants looming on our horizon? What are the things that we are facing that are scary? That try and steal our freedom that try and freeze us? What are the giants that we're facing where we need to be reminded that our Savior has already come and goes before us? That's the question I want to invite us to begin to ask ourselves. As, as we come to a close in worship this morning, What giant do we need to see with Jesus gone out and standing between us? And what what prayer do we need to pray so that we don't allow fear to hold us back at the camp? May we prayerfully consider that question, not just now, but throughout the week. And may we choose to live into the freedom that Jesus has given us. May we ponder that question as the offering baskets are passed and as the worship team comes to lead us in a final song of take courage. May we ask ourselves that question. Let us pray. Holy God, you you don't leave us in fear. You see us and you whisper the reminder, sometimes shout the reminder, I've already sent you a champion, a savior who has fought the biggest giants and won. Lord, may we feel the freedom of who you have chosen to be for us. May we be reminded with every giant that looms on the horizon that, that we never face it alone and that you will always go before us. 
fear is never our story, but the freedom we found in our Savior. We trust in you, O oh Lord. It's in your Son's name that we pray and choose to live. Amen.